Today, um, we're going to go through some ideas about Christmas. And we're going to start out today looking at what, in the next couple of weeks about ignition. I'm going to talk to you specifically today about how Christmas ignited something personal. We're going to work out of Isaiah 9 this morning. So if you've got a Bible, turn there. But I want to talk to you this morning about how Christmas ignited something. I've always seen Christmas personally resonated with me what the Bears said. It resonated with me what the video said. It resonated with me about Christmas isn't just another thing. I've always seen Christmas as, as an igniter. Christmas kind of launched something. You ever, you, ever lit, you ever put fire to something that was primed for like ignition? I'll never forget a buddy of mine, buddy of mine, Brian, Brian Clark, uh, he had this... Um, he had this big pile of brush on his, he had about 10 acres, and he was clearing off a little two-acre area. And there wasn't trees, just, you know, overgrown thicket and just briars and stuff. And he had, he had rented a bobcat and was just clearing off some stuff, and he had a pretty good brush pile. And I had to stop by his house. This was years and years ago. And, and uh, Brian Clark, and, and great guy, and, and I hadn't seen him in forever. And but I'll never forget, he had this big brush pile. I said, hey, man, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm, I'm cleaning off this, you know, two-acre uh, plot and and uh, he said, I'm about to, about to burn it. And I saw a gas can sitting over there. And I thought, oh, no. Because I don't know if you've ever done that. Oh, I've never done anything like that. Um, but if you ever have done something like that, that's what I call a self-correcting error. Uh, you only do that once. If you're, still, if you're still around, talk about it. And uh, I said, oh, Brian, please, please don't put gas on that big pile of brush. That ain't going to go well for you. He said, well, why not? I said, I would say watch and see, but I'm not going to say that. And, and, and I said, man, look. But I could, you, ever, you ever been talking to somebody and you could just tell it didn't matter what you said? Right? You've never had that happen to you. It's called teenagers, right? You never had it. didn't matter how you explain it. Sorry if y'all tell me, hey, come on. I'm just getting y'all back from when I did the same thing. You know, uh, you, ever, you can see in their eyes, I'm listening but I ain't buying, right? And, and I could tell Brian, just he was going to light that brush fire with that gas can. And I, I started fasting immediately uh, right then, you know. And so I told him, I said, look, man, I said, all right, if you're going to do this, two things are going to happen. One, let me get back home, all right? I need to be at least six miles away. Two, do me a favor. All right. Put, put it on there, because I thought if he's going to do it, I'd rather, you know, be there, because I am an ordained minister. If I have to do an emergency funeral, then I can. Um, so I, I said, pour it on there, and then let's get a Coke, and let's talk for a while. <laughs> and he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I said, you'll see in a minute. So I said, D give me that igniter thing in your hand. And I took it, and, and he, he poured it around the, you know, the brush, you know, big pile of brush, you know, about, about as big as, you know, this area here in the stage. And, and uh, he poured it on the edges, and I said, all right, let's go sit on the truck for a minute. And I was finding everything in the world I could talk about, and y'all know I can talk. So I, I, I was inventing stories, right? And, I was, and, and about 10 minutes later, he finally had had enough, right? And I said, all right, man, look, do me a favor. It's like... <clears throat> I took like a couple sticks and put, a band, put like a, a, a piece of string around them. I said, light this and stand as far away as you can and just toss it. He said, it's been 10 minutes. I said, Brian, 
So he said about me from Mark Baird, and he tossed that thing in there. And, buddy, let me show you this next, this, this next image. That was about what happened. All right? And he was standing there, and it looked like something out of a witch movie. He was standing about 20 feet away, and it went, but I was standing 412 yards away because I knew what was going to go down. And that had, obviously, if you know anything, gas follows fumes for a long time. Gas follows fumes. And so he, this big blue and beautiful orange-blue circle went all the way around him. Like he was all of a sudden in the middle of it. And it never, it, it singed the hair on his arms. And he looked at me like, and I was a good 72. I mean, I'm not kidding. I was a long way away. And I'll never forget the look on his face when he turned to me and I'm going, <laughs> you know, but I knew if I could get him far enough back, he wouldn't get really hurt. It, you know, it ignited, right? Ignition. Uh, it makes me think about, I've always seen Christmas. I've always seen Christmas as an igniter. It ignites something. You know, we, we talk a lot about Christianity in world religions, and, and everybody talks about how man's always searching for God. Christianity is God's search for man. I love what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said it this way when he was coming to Christ. He said, uh, amiable agnostics will talk cheerfully about man's search for God. To me, as I was then, as I am now, they might as well have talked about the mouse's search for the cat. No mouse searches for the cat, right? No, you see, the difference in Christianity is that God went searching for us. Christmas was more than just a story. It was an ignition. Something happened at Christmas. And the gospel, if you look at the gospel, the gospel, if the gospel is anything, it's personal. The gospel's personal. The gospel's nothing if it's not personal. It's not a religion. It's, it's a God searching for a people that went off the rails. I mean, think about how many times you see in the Christmas story. Right now, you're seeing it a lot in, in culture. Like things like, you know, I told you we were going to go to Isaiah 9 in a minute. It's in the Old Testament. But think about how many times in the New Testament you hear things like in Matthew 1. It says, look at what Matthew 1 says. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. It's personal. God with us. It's personal. Luke chapter 2 says it this way. But the angel said to them... Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. There has been born for you a Savior. The gospel the gospel's personal. So I'm going to talk to you about what Christmas ignited, how Christmas ignited something personal. So if you've got a Bible, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, it's in the Old Testament, right? It's right after Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. If you find Psalms, go to the right, you'll find it. And we're going to read Isaiah 9. Now, this is a very famous prophecy. Okay, let me give you just a real quick backdrop. Very, very, very famous prophecy about Jesus. It's one of the things I love about his Messiahship is that it was foretold there was going to be a Messiah. And so Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah's prophesying about the coming Messiah. And in verse 2, he says this way, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. 
And you shall multiply the nation. He's talking about Jesus. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor as with the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult. A cloak rolled in blood will be burning fuel for fire. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's a prophecy about Jesus. Christmas ignited something. It was more than a song, more than a story, more than a pretty scene on a postcard. So what did it ignite? Well, I've got a, a few key truths I want to share with you this morning. And one is that Christmas, God ignited the process of my redemption. It started it like that spark that hit that brush fire. It started it. Christmas ignited the process of my redemption. You understand that when he says here, for unto us a Savior is born. When the angel said that, think about what that implies. Don't miss that. For unto us a Savior is born. The very fact that a Savior has been born implies that we need one. Right? The very fact that there's a Savior born implies that we need a Savior. Something happened. That, that, we had, that we were walking in darkness. I, I love what Stephen Curtis Chapman said. I, I read this many, many years ago, and I thought of it when I was putting this sermon together. Stephen Curtis Chapman said, In the gospel, we discover we are far worse off than we thought and far more loved than we ever dreamed. When you look at the gospel, you do realize it was worse than just character flaws. It's worse than just bad habits. It's worse than just me messing up from time to time. No, I need a Savior, and so do you. I needed a Savior, and so do you. Because darkness, what did you just read in verse 2 in Isaiah 2? The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Look at that verse. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You know the thing about darkness? Darkness doesn't self-correct. Darkness doesn't get brighter, right? Darkness has to have an igniter of light. How many times have, has the lights gone out in the house and it's pitch black and you turn on the light and everything changes? Darkness cannot correct itself. Something has to change it. Something has to be injected into the situation. And so what God did at Christmas is he injected into our world a light because we needed a Savior. The reality is, friends... At Christmas, God fixed something. I, I would say it this way. Jesus redeemed what I broke. Jesus redeemed what I broke. 
That's what sin does. Sin breaks things. And so when you and I, when we chose to go our own way, when we told God, I want my own independence, just like Adam and Eve, you know what he did? He said, okay, you can, you can have it. If you want your independence, you can have it. But it's not free. See, when you, when, you, when you choose to defy God and step out on your own self-governance, when you do that, you step, you step out from under his leadership. You say, no, I, I want to do it my way. So what's going to happen is you're going to get the best you can offer. Did you hear the way I said that? When you step out from under God's protection plan, you get the best you can offer. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the less I understand. The older I get, the, the less I understand. I, I, I was way more intelligent at 25 than I am now. I mean, I'm serious. And I, I realized, wow, I can break things. I can. I can break things. The very fact that it says I needed a Savior implies that I need one. I'd say Christmas ignited something else, though. I would say at Christmas, God installed joy to my hopeless situation. You see, when God put the light into that dark night there in the Holy Land, when he injected Christ into the situation, something changed. Look in verse 3. It says, you shall multiply the nation. He's talking about Jesus. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. And men will as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. He, he was going to bring joy to a situation. See, when, when things are dark, when we, when we chose to go our own way, we, one of the things I've always been amazed about sin and, and, and defying God, regardless of what that is, when, when you and I decide that we are going to do it our way, it it goes from worse to worse. You ever been in situations like that? Like the more you tried to fix it, it got worse. Like the more, the more you try, you hit the panic button. How many times have you been in a situation that if you had just gone and, and, and done the right thing the first time, but it, it doesn't, you just, you just keep doing it and you, you open up a Pandora's box and it just keeps getting worse. That's what happens with sin. When we, when we start doing it our own way, it just goes from worse to worse. Darkness, listen to me, friends, darkness and dark forces never ease the burden. Darkness will never ease the burden, ever. It won't. Where, where, where you have sin, where you have sin, heavy comes. How many times have you watched friends or people that you love choose to walk away from the Lord in a certain situation, defy God gives them counsel in this situation, or maybe he gives them counsel from the word of God, and they choose in their lifestyle or their decision-making to, to not honor the Lord's leadership in their life, and what do you see come? You see the heavy come. You see things get broken. Because darkness doesn't self-correct. And so what God did at Christmas was, was, was he brought joy into that because sin can't correct itself, right? Sin can't correct itself. In fact, I would go so far as to say it this way. Sin is the most effective joy thief you'll ever encounter. You hear me? Sin is the most effective joy thief you will ever encounter. You're never going to see, you're never going to see joy come from a sin pattern. You're just not. 
It's, it's impossible for that to happen. So what happened is, is God injected joy into that. Sin is a joy thief. And I want to tell you, as great as Christmas is, and as much as I love it and as much as you love it, I love the Christmas music. I already started playing it a couple of weeks ago. Walked into one of those stores, and they were playing it. And I'm like, here we go. It's time, buddy. And, you know, and, and I love it. I, I, as much as I love the Christmas season, I can tell you this. There is nothing that Santa could ever do to cure the human condition. There's nothing Santa can do to cure the human condition. He's powerless over that. Only Jesus can cure the human condition. And so what you saw that night when Christmas ignited something, it ignited not only my personal redemption process toward that, it ignited joy into a situation that was really, really hopeless. And when you start thinking about what Christmas is, it's really interesting that in our defiance, in our willingness to walk away, God sent his son. Hutch read it just a minute ago. I love that passage. And I love how Hutch read it in Southern. It was, I was like, don't ever, don't ever let that boy lose Southern. You know, I'll, I'll be an heir. I'm like, you can only say it that way. It's, the Bible is so much better in Southern. That's why I don't fight it, right? Um, but when you hear about what did, what did Hutch read a minute ago, He said, at just the right time, at just the right time, God sent his son. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? See, at Christmas, God injected joy. He ignited joy into a situation that couldn't bring joy. At Christmas, I would also say that God injected authority into the chaos around me. At Christmas, God injected authority to the chaos. Let's look look now in verse 6. Look at what verse 6 says. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Amen. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You know, when, when I look around our culture, if there's something that I've noticed in the last maybe five years or so, but especially in the last two or three years, it's just interesting to me how the, the pace has picked up speed on what I would call lawlessness. I mean just lawlessness. And I don't mean just law by law enforcement. Uh, that's a big part of it too. But I mean just lawlessness. You're, you're seeing chaos now. In fact, isn't it? don't you find it interesting that you're not as twisted up and you're not as messed up, and you're not as burdened, or, or no, maybe I should say it this way. Do you, at least I find it interesting sometimes that I'm not as shocked as I used to be. That's how I've grown accustomed to the crazy. I, I'm just not as shocked anymore. I, I'm not as shocked. I mean, you realize that there are more than a few cities in our nation that are debating the possibility of maybe we shouldn't have law enforcement actually at all. That's not a Democrat or Republican issue. That's a crazy issue. I mean, it's going to be the Wild West. Think about that. That's, I mean, the institutions that were... Really radical common sense forever are now crazily chaotic. You've got 
agendas in our country redefining everything from what is marriage and what isn't to what is gender and what is not. And truthfully, we're not as shocked about it as we used to be. Because, because chaos is becoming the norm. So listen to what verse 6 says. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. There's coming a day, friends, when Jesus is going to set it all back to plumb. He's going to set it all back to square, right? He's going to set it all back. There's coming a time when this is all the government well, there will be a reign of Jesus Christ. Read Revelation there. There will be a reign of God. And in that reign of God, it will be stability. Aren't you glad? Amen. I'm glad. I'm glad that I've got a God that the moment that God sent his son, there was already a process leading into that to where there is going to be authority. God ejected authority. It, it, and he kind of alludes to it right there in uh, verse 6, the end of verse 6. Look at the names. Man, the names kind of jump out at you, don't they? Like he says, wonderful counselor. I mean, look, at what, look, look at the names that Isaiah gave to Jesus. Wonderful counselor. Meaning that, that if you look at the kind of the root of that word, it, it means wisdom beyond measure. Counsel that is eternal. Truth that doesn't rust so to speak. Like he is a wonderful counselor. He is mighty God, meaning that he was so powerful, he could absorb sin like a sponge absorbs water. That's how powerful Jesus is. He can absorb all the powers of darkness into himself. What does it say? For, for God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5. For God knew, made him who knew no sin to absorb all of sin's power and take it on himself. He is mighty enough to do that. He's an eternal father. Now, let me tell you something. Many of you Many of you, i got to watch it. I'm walking outside the boundaries over here, and then they, I get in trouble when the chapel people yell at me. I'm, I have to stay right here. Right? Forgot about that, y'all. You know, when you think about eternal father, that's a hard word for some of y'all. It is. Because by statistic, most of you had had... The vast majority of you, by statistic, had, at best, a strained relationship with your dad. At best. Many of you had a really bad dad. And it's really hard on you sometimes to think about God as a father. The only image you have in your father is not good. But I want to tell you something, friends. God is not measured by your earthly father's standard. The ultimate father in your life never breaks promises. The ultimate father in your life didn't leave. The ultimate father in your life didn't put his hands on you. The ultimate father in your life the Bible says every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father. See, he's an eternal Father, and he's perfect. 
So don't you find it interesting that no matter what your earthly father might have been like, you have a heavenly father? I love it. To the orphan, to the person that never met their father, God is perfect. But it also says he's the prince of peace. So that's a big deal. And that's not, that's not signifying inner peace. No, no, no. That's signifying peace. Peace spoken to a culture that is out of whack. And it has been for 2,000 years or more. Peace spoken over all the chaos that sin brought into this world. Time after time, culture after culture, century after century, epoch after epoch, kingdom after kingdom. Country after country, regime after regime, the Prince of Peace. The government will rest on his shoulders. God injected authority. See, Christmas ignited that whole process. It's amazing when you think about it. And I would say also that Christmas ignited something else. I would say Christmas secured, or how did I say it? Let's go, yeah. At Christmas, God secured my future now and forever. There was something else that was ignited in that moment. God secured my future now and forever. Something else was happening at Christmas. Now look at what it says in verse 7. It says, there will be no end. Don't read past that. There will be no end to the increase of his government. There will be no end to it. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with the justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this, Isaiah 9, 7. There'll be no end to his rule. There'll be no end to his reign. You see, when Jesus came, Jesus ignited a process. It started a a, a domino effect. Think about what was happening right there. He was establishing a kingdom in real time. The way I see it, I see it go from Christmas to the cross to the open grave to the church being born and the spirit coming and putting life in the church. But the good news is he's not done yet. Aren't you glad? He's not done yet. He's not, he's not done yet. There's more to come. You ever go, right now, you're going to dinner with a lot of people. You're going over a lot of people's houses, right? The best thing you're going to hear when you go to those homes is after you eat, keep your fork. <laughs> right? There's more coming. And it tastes really good, usually. There's more coming. There's really more coming. He secured a kingdom future, and it started on, on that night. He, he's the final king. There will be, th- have you ever thought about that? you ever thought about how the fact that there will be no other political races? There'll be no more ballots. There'll be no more voting. There'll be no more anything like that. There's no other king. It's the final king forever. His kingdom will be established, and there will never be a time when it won't be established. And all that happened at, at Christmas. It ignited it. But I, I, want, I want to tell you something. This is, this, is, um, this is a word I really believe God, God gave me for us. I've been thinking about this for weeks, maybe a few months. It just keeps coming into my head. The kingdom of God is, it is real, 
But the word I believe that God has given me for us, and you're going to hear me talk about this a lot in the next several months in different ways, is that the kingdom of God was never meant to be attended. It was meant to be engaged. You see, so many people look at Christianity and church as a place I go. And that is no way in the idea or the heart of God. God never intended this, right, that we're doing right now. This is not his idea of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a place you attend and it is not somewhere you go. The kingdom of God is meant to be engaged. It doesn't work unless you engage it. That's why so many Christians are unfulfilled with the church. Yeah, you should be. Look around. We all add to the problem. We're all solutions to the problem. And we all add to the problem. You're forever going to be disgruntled in a body of people. Put two people in a room and you've got an issue. Put one in a room, you've got an issue. We've all got issues that we have. And we make it better sometimes and then there's times we make it worse. So if all you're doing is looking at, if you're measuring Christianity by whether or not you like everything about your church, wow, I, I don't know what to say to that. Other than, it's going to be a long life for you, man. And a painful one, too. Full of disappointment. But, if you understand that what we're doing right now is just a part of something. This isn't the final destination on the train station. This is where we get on the train. This is the place where we engage. And so the kingdom of God, the, the word that, that I think maybe the Spirit's been giving me lately is that the kingdom was never meant to be attended. It was meant to be engaged. And so everything that happened at Christmas, that ignition process, it, there's an element to it that you have to step into it. You hear me? If you want to see God move in your life, if you want to see the Christ child, if you want to see, if you want to see something take off in your life, if you, want to, if you want to experience the power of God, what you cannot do is sit back and just hope. Nothing's going to happen with that. You have to step into it. And by stepping into it, you step into a realm you step into a world. See, when, when God sent Jesus, he didn't force it on you. You had to go and engage what was being offered to you. Oh, he, C.S. Lewis was right. God sent his son. But in order to receive that, See, the Bible says in John chapter 1, the Bible says that as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. 
So in other words, God, God can create this wonderful meal for you, but only you can decide to eat it. God can create this wonderful vehicle for you, but it means nothing if you never drive it. The kingdom was never meant to be attended. The kingdom was meant to be engaged. And Christmas started that process. And my prayer for you today is that you will engage the Jesus that God sent. Because in that, you're going to experience a life that you could never design on your own. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.